All right, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. John chapter 10, and for the first time here in 2024, we will open our Bibles once again to John and continue on in our series here on Sunday mornings as we've been looking at this fourth Gospel Of course, the Gospel of John is written primarily for the purpose, John reveals that to us, I believe it's in John chapter number 20, uh, around verse number 32, if memory serves me correctly, I didn't look it up again, but John reveals the purpose statement there of why he wrote the Gospel of John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that is that we might know that Jesus is the Messiah, that we might know that he is God's Son, that he's the sent one from God, and that we might believe upon his name. But this morning, we're going to look at John chapter number 10 here. And the last time that we were here in the Gospel of John, we looked at the first 10 verses of John 10. And we looked at the I am statement that Jesus makes there in verse number 9, as he says, I am the door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. But this morning, we're going to pick up in verse number 11, and we're going to look at Jesus as he says here in our text this morning, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So we're going to look at Jesus as the good shepherd this morning. John chapter number 10, verse number 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd... Whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I am... The good shepherd. It's important to remember as Jesus is saying these things, as he's speaking here in John chapter 10, he's speaking to a crowd that gathered. A crowd that gathered ultimately because back in chapter number 9, he had healed a blind man. He had healed a blind man and the Pharisees had gotten angry with him. They had uh, they'd interrogated the blind man. They had interrogated his parents. They'd become very upset and angry with Jesus. And they'd ask Jesus once again, you know, Jesus, who are you? They're coming to Jesus and asking him for proofs of who he is. And Jesus keeps revealing to them and giving them proofs of how he is the Messiah. And they were, ultimately, they should have believed upon Jesus. Jesus had given them more than enough proof. But here, once again, Jesus is drawing their attention to the fact that he is the Messiah. He's using this earthly analogy of being a shepherd, and he's using it to draw their attention to the fact that he is, in fact, the sent one, the promised one. 
the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. Of course, to the, the crowd that was listening, hearing Jesus on this day, this would have been a more familiar illustration. They would have been more familiar with raising sheep. They would have been more familiar with shepherds in general, as it was a very common thing in their society. I think for most of us, we're a little more removed from sheep or from even cattle in general in our day and age. We go to the grocery store, uh, most of us, and we buy our meat. Uh, it's nicely packaged. Um, and, you know, we have to go out of our way to harvest meat in a more uh, older form. I don't know what word I'm looking for there. Uh, where we have more hands-on, right? But, of course, in this day and age, they didn't have massive refrigeration. And for most of them, right, wealth was often held in flocks of cattle. And so they would have been very familiar with the idea of shepherds and sheep. And so Jesus uses an illustration that's very familiar to them to draw their attention to himself, to draw their attention to the fact that he is the one whom they are seeking for. So he, he comes to them here in verse number 11, and he makes this I am statement. I am the good shepherd. And this morning, as we consider Jesus as the good shepherd, we'll look at three different things this morning. First of all, we'll consider the mark of a good shepherd. The mark of a good shepherd. You'll notice there in verse number 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So as we consider the mark of a good shepherd, Jesus here defines it for us. He gives us the definition of the good shepherd. A, a mark that is very clear. He says, the good shepherd does what? In verse 11, he giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus plainly states that the greatest defining characteristic of the good shepherd is that he gives his life for the sheep. When we think about shepherds, you know, most shepherds, if they're considered a, a quote-unquote good shepherd, are going to be considered a good shepherd because of their skill. Because of uh, their skill at keeping the flock, maybe. Uh, their skill at building a, a sheep coat. Their skill at watching the sheep and being able to tell when there's a problem. Uh, maybe their tools and their attire, the smell of them. Certainly, if you keep sheep, there's a certain aroma that goes with it. And maybe, you know, all of these things in an earthly sense come together to define a good shepherd. When you think of a, a shepherd, at least in this day and age, I, I would assume in some cultures even today, I know in Africa, they don't typically keep sheep, they more keep goats. They don't use a, a crook, right? In, in the Bible days, they would carry a, a staff, a shepherd's crook, and it would have a hook on the one side. Uh, and I think we're all familiar with imagery that's associated with that. In Africa, they carry what's called a knob carry. And it's, it's simply a, a long stick, and it has a big knob on the one end, and it's used for whacking things. You flip it around, you use that knob. It's used for naughty children. You can knock them on the head. Naughty goats, you can knock them on the head. Or for predators, to defend yourself against predators. So we think of some of the tools that a shepherd carries, right? A shepherd's going to carry a staff, a crook. But Jesus, he draws their attention away from what might define a good earthly shepherd and draws their attention to him as the good shepherd, the good shepherd. And the greatest mark that Jesus gives here is that the good shepherd 
giveth his life for the sheep. You see, while most shepherds carry a crook, the thing that defined Jesus, that would make him the good shepherd, would be not his crook, but his cross. He would give his life for the sheep. You think about a shepherd. What a strange thing to consider that a shepherd would give his life for his sheep. Now, I'm sure that there are some very passionate shepherds out there that care for their sheep as if they were their own children to, a, to an extent, to a degree. But I think ultimately, if you put a shepherd's life next to a sheep's life and you give the shepherd the choice ahead of time, say, hey, you know, today you're going to go out in your job and there's, there's a wolf that's going to come, there's a bear that's going to come, and if you try to protect your sheep from that, it's going to kill you, 100%. I think if the shepherd knows that, he's going to say, you know what? I like my sheep, but I'm not willing to, with full knowledge ahead of time, say, you know what? I want to die so that those sheep can live. I mean, hey, you might really like sheep. I'm kind of attached to my dog, right? I like my dog. There's a lot of things I would do to keep my dog alive. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to lay down my life for my dog. She's kind of in our family. Not really. I mean, she thinks she's human. We don't think she's human, though. But right, there's, there's a sense in which we can, we can see a shepherd having affection for and caring for his sheep and going to great lengths to keep those sheep healthy and alive. But a shepherd laying down his life ahead of time with full knowledge, ah, even good shepherds today, they're not going to do that. They're going to try to figure out some other way to save the sheep without having to die themselves. But Jesus says, no, what defines him as the good shepherd is that he willingly giveth his life for the sheep. Willingly. With full knowledge ahead of time, Jesus comes in and says, no, I am going to lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this is interesting because there are those present listening to Jesus who believe on him. They believe that he is the Messiah. And here he is foreshadowing what is going to happen. He is drawing their attention away from earthly things and drawing them to heavenly things. Because the disciples and those that follow him are even wrapped up in this idea that he's going to come and he is going to set up an earthly reign and rule at this point in John 10. That that is what Jesus is on the earth to do. But Jesus is drawing their attention to this fact. He says, no, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. So we see the mark defined. The mark of a good shepherd is defined for us as he who is willing to, get, to lay down his life for the sheep. He giveth his life for the sheep. But then we see the mark is distinguished. Jesus distinguishes the mark for us in verse number 12. He draws a contrast for us. In verse 12, he says, But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. Jesus makes this statement in verse number 13, and it's, it's kind of, uh, it's redundant, really. In verse 13, he says, The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling. And at first read, you say, well, yeah, cool, I get that, of course. 
But stop and think about it, right? If you're hired to watch a flock of sheep, somebody says, hey, I'm going to pay you $200 a day to watch these sheep. You might say, hey, Wesley, that's a pretty good job, right? $200 a day, I'm pretty interested in that. Yeah, just to sit there and watch some sheep. Sure, sign me up. But what's the hireling do when real danger comes? When the wolf shows up and it's the hireling's life on the line for $200 a day. Well, I'm looking at that $200 a day saying, yeah. I mean, hey, let's up it to $1,000 a day. That's some nice money. I could work for $1,000 a day, but at the end of the day, you, you put my life on the line for $1,000 a day for sheep? No. Not happening. I'm sorry. I, I might be there watching your sheep, but if I'm going to get eaten or the sheep's going to get eaten, eh, there's no amount of money you can pay me that's going to make me say, yeah, eat me, leave the sheep. No. Why? Because they're not my sheep. I'm just a hireling. Jesus draws this contrast. He says hirelings act like hirelings. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. Hirelings care for themselves, not for the sheep. Jesus is drawing attention here to the Pharisees. He's drawing attention to those who are religious leaders in his day and age. He's drawing a contrast between him and them. You know, the religious leaders of their day and age, they cared for themselves. They didn't care truly for the sheep of the house of Israel. Ultimately, they cared for themselves. They cared for their own well-being, their own welfare. That's why when Jesus comes on the scene, they don't see him for who he is. Why? Because they're not true followers of God. They weren't truly caring for the sheep of the house of Israel. They were caring for themselves. And Jesus draws this distinction between himself and them. And he's using this to draw their attention to the mark of a good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So we see the mark of the good shepherd, but second of all, let's notice the motives of the good shepherd. The motives of the good shepherd. In verse number 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So the first motive that we see of the good shepherd is, first of all, his care for the sheep. In verse 14, he simply says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mind. Jesus continues to mark a distinction between himself and the hirelings. Jesus draws attention now to his care for the sheep. He knows his sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Now, what does it take to know a sheep? Well, it takes some time. It takes some care. It takes some attention on the part of the shepherd. It takes the shepherd being interested in knowing the sheep. How many of you know sheep this morning? You have a sheep that you, you know really well? 
that if it was in the, a flock of 100 sheep, you could pick it out, you'd know that sheep? No. We don't keep sheep, right? You, you've probably never had a sheep walk up to you and say, hey, I want to get to know you. No, right? It takes effort on the part of the shepherd. It takes purposeful action on the part of the shepherd. Jesus is drawing attention to the fact here that he cares for his sheep. Think of what Jesus is saying here. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. You see, a shepherd's knowledge of his sheep is something that is only gained at great cost to him. Knowledge of the sheep speaks of time spent with them, of care and attention paid to them. We, we just sang a song before I got up here about how in shady green pastures, he leads us along. God leads us along like a shepherd. And if you were paying attention to the words of that song, it talks about how God leads us through all different kinds of things. And sometimes in our own flesh, in our own eyes, we might view the things that God leads us through in this life and we might begin to fret and to worry. But may I remind you that we're sheep. The shepherd knows best. If you think of an earthly shepherd, an earthly shepherd that is good is going to lead the sheep. He knows his sheep. He knows what they need. He knows when they need food. He knows when they need water. He knows when they need rest. He knows the best places to go. And there might be some times that the shepherd is leading the sheep, and the sheep might look at the shepherd and think, what is he doing? Why is he taking us on this path? Why are we bypassing all of these things over here? Look, there's green grass. Look, there's water right there. I don't know what goes through a sheep's mind. They're pretty dumb animals. They're not very intelligent. And sometimes sheep get it in their own mind that, hey, I know better than the shepherd. Why? Because they run off and they go their own way. They go astray. But I think we can all safely, I, I don't think any of us have great or vast sheep knowledge this morning, but I think we can look at that and say, a sheep does not know better than a good shepherd. A shepherd who has been well-trained and a shepherd who knows his sheep is going to know much more than the sheep himself, right? The shepherd is going to know, he's going to have a plan, he's going to know where he is leading the sheep. He's going to be taking care of them. And though the, the way might be long and treacherous in some ways, he has a purpose in where he's taking them. Jesus is describing himself here as the good shepherd. You know, this morning, you and I were sheep. And though our hearts might be sometimes tempted to fret, and worry at the path that he leads us along. As sheep, we would do well to follow him. For this morning, if you are one of his sheep, he knows you. He knows you. And part of him knowing you means that he knows exactly what you need. He knows what is best for you. And he's not going to lead you in the wrong way. Can we stop this morning and just consider for a moment what an amazing thing it is to think that you, 
if you are one of his sheep, that you are known of him. That Jesus, the creator of the universe, the great I am, God in the flesh, knows you. Out of all the people in this world, he knows you. My friend, this morning, Jesus knows his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He loves his sheep. And this morning, if you aren't one of his sheep, he invites you to come. To come and experience for yourself how he is the good shepherd. But not only is his care demonstrated in his knowledge of the sheep in verse number 14, but it is also demonstrated in verse number 14 in the sheep's knowledge of him. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. He's known of his sheep. You know what it takes for a sheep to get to know a shepherd? It takes time spent. And the one who really makes that happen isn't the sheep. The one who really makes that happen is the shepherd. This morning, if you and I wanted to get to know God, if we wanted to somehow make a way to have a relationship with him, and he was not interested in that, we would be without hope. We would have absolutely no way to get to him. We would have no way to get to a place of knowing him. But this morning, he has made a way. He has made it possible for you and I, as dumb sheep, to get to know him. What an amazing thing. Jesus knows his sheep, and he is known of them. This morning, do you know the shepherd? Are you one of his sheep? Does he know you, and do you know him? But as we think about the motives of the good shepherd, we notice, first of all, his care for the sheep. But second of all, we notice his closeness to the Father. His closeness to the Father. In verse number 15, he says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus speaks here of another claim and proof of his deity of the fact that he is the Messiah. Notice his words there in verse number 15. He says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. Now that is a bold claim. Ah, no one of us could say that. That as God knows me, I know God? No. Not even close. I don't even know myself. Let alone do I know God as he knows me. But Jesus, in making this statement, is being very clear that he is God, that he is the Messiah. For no one else but God himself can know God as he is known of God. But as we think about this, in the context of this closeness of fellowship with the Father, Jesus once again points out that he lays down his life for the sheep. You see, what is one of the motives for him as a good shepherd? Not only his care for the sheep, but his closeness to the Father. Because since time began, it was God's plan to rescue his sheep. 
His heart is in tune with God the Father in his love for his sheep. So we see his care for the sheep. We see his closeness to the Father. But then we also see his charity to others. In verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. His charity to other. Now, charity is a word that has been taken by our day and age, by our society, and it's been drugged through the gutter and sullied, and it, we don't recognize the word charity really for what it is. Uh, when we think of charity, we think of um, somebody gave somebody who was down and out 20 bucks. Uh, they gave them a meal, you know, they gave them a, a basket full of food to help them through this week or something like that. That's what we think of when we think of charity, giving uh, a little bit of money or, or earthly, worldly goods. The word charity speaks of God's kind of love. And God's kind of love goes a whole lot deeper than giving somebody 20 bucks, than helping somebody find a meal or a warm bed to sleep for the night. Charity speaks of God's heart of love for mankind. Charity speaks of the kind of love that would drive God to send his only son to die upon an old rugged cross for you and for me. This is the kind of love that God is speaking of here in this passage. His charity to others, his love for others. You see, Israel, the nation of Israel was his chosen people. He speaks of them as his sheep. The, the people of God. But then he says here in verse number 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That's good news this morning. Because he speaks here of you and I. He speaks of those who are Gentile. Those who have a heritage that is not of his chosen people. And the availability that we also have to come and to be his sheep, to be in his fold. Oh, what a wonderful thing. That God would invite people who are not his own to come to him. That he would invite other sheep to come and to join his fold. This morning, what a wonderful thing that shows us the heart of love that God has for us. He calls out to others who are not of his chosen people and gives them opportunity. So we see the motives of the shepherd. And when we think of the motives, what would motivate a shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep? It's a mind-boggling thing to consider. Certainly the sheep do not provide anything of any real value to the shepherd, to the tune that he would lay down his life for them. It's not a very flattering thing to consider. But, Thankfully, God does love us in this way. So we see the mark of a good shepherd. We see the motives of the good shepherd. But then last of all this morning, we'll see the might of the good shepherd. The might of the good shepherd. Verse 17 says, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. As we think of the might of the good shepherd, first of all, we see his purpose in verse number 17. He speaks of his purpose. He says there, 
Because I laid down my life that I might take it again. Jesus speaks once again of the fact that as the good shepherd, he is going to lay down his life. This is the third time in this passage that Jesus has referenced this. The third time that he has said that he is going to lay down his life. That he's going to give his life for the sheep. Oh, what love that God would lay down his life for you and for me. That he would sacrifice himself for worthless sheep. Not only that, for sheep who don't love him. For sheep who spit in his face. For sheep who have sinned against his holiness, against his love, and against his goodness towards us. So we see his purpose, but second of all, we see his power. You see there at the end of verse number 17, because I lay down my life, why? That I might take it again. That I might take it again. You know, Jesus alone has the power to lay down his life. He says that very clearly in verse number 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. When we think about someone who is mighty, a mighty warrior in our society, a mighty warrior in days gone by, in ages gone by, even the mightiest of warriors on their own, their power is only so great. It's only so big. And ultimately, every mighty warrior who has ever lived has ultimately succumbed to the foe of death. Though they may have vanquished all their earthly foes, ultimately, they pass from this life into the next by the hands of their greatest foe, the foe of death. They were not able to defeat it. But Jesus, Jesus says he is the only one who lays down his life. No man can take it from him. There's no group of men. There's no power great enough or large enough or mob big enough to take Jesus' life from him. But not only that, not only does he lay his life down, but he says, I have the power to take it again. And no one who has ever lived other than him has been able to say that. No one else has ever laid down their life willingly and been able to take it up again. Only Jesus. Only Jesus had the power to do that. What makes him the good shepherd? Well, not only the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep, but also the fact that he has the power to take it up again. This morning, if you serve Jesus, you don't serve a dead shepherd. You don't serve someone who was a good man and said nice things, but rather you serve a risen Savior. You serve one who not only laid down his life for you, but took it up again. He conquered sin and death and the grave. And like a good shepherd, he leads us along. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes he leads us through trials, sometimes through dark times, sometimes through storms, but never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus gave his life for the sheep. And if he's willing to give his life for the sheep, 
Do you think that he's not going to lead the sheep in the best possible place? If he's willing to go to the furthest degree in sacrifice for his sheep, you think somehow that he's not going to care for his sheep? Some, somehow he's going to lose sight of what you need? But somehow he's going to forget Like, oh, he was willing to die for you, but he's not going to keep you alive. He's not going to meet your daily basic needs. Oh, no, my friend. He is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. This morning, if you're not one of his sheep, I invite you to come. And this morning, if you are one of his sheep, oh, get your eyes on the good shepherd. Think of all that he has done for you. Revel in it this morning. Love him more for it. And don't, like a foolish sheep, don't begin to fret against the shepherd. Don't think that somehow he's forgotten you, that he doesn't know what you need, but rather, like a sheep, follow him. Trust him. He is the good Shepherd, The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As the pianist comes, we'll have a time of invitation here in a moment. And I challenge you to consider, to consider those things, to consider whether or not you are one of the shepherd's sheep, to consider whether or not you are known of the shepherd and you know him this morning. He invites you to come. He invites you to be one of his sheep. How much better to be one of his sheep? The shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. than to be one of the sheep of him that has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this morning, those of us who are his sheep, may we follow him. May we live for him. May we love him as we ought.